an Ironic Media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. Ever safe and careful are two apps that can help either a care coordinator like yourself or family member keep an eye on dad's finances without necessarily just monitoring themselves all of mom and dad's bank accounts. It's looking and it has analytics built in both ever safe and careful to say, okay, this looks like a pattern of fraud. They're not paying their rent. They're not paying their phone bill on time. They're getting late fees all the time because they're not doing this well. It's looking for unusual cash payments, large amounts of spending, transfers, transactions involving any new people or places. It's looking for those things and letting you know. Again, it's looking for those late bills and changes in spending patterns. So you're like, wow, they were going to this restaurant. Now they're going to this one. And it's not in the same part of town. And then anybody in the family who wants to be part of this can all share Dementia Discussions, here to help and empower our heroic caregivers with knowledge and experience. Dementia Discussions, with the caregivers themselves and memory loss professionals. Here to help, with 30 years as a geriatric social worker, is your Dementia Discussions host, Barbara Hammond. Hello, and welcome to Dementia Discussions. I'm Barbara Hammond. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Benjamin Sarmi. Benjamin is a social gerontologist with Kelsch Communities. He is the director of culture training and the director of the Kelsch Innovation Lab, which I'd like to hear more about. He focuses on the most effective ways to support family caregivers. So with that, Benjamin, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thanks, Barbara. It's exciting to be on your show. You're doing some great work to get tools into the hands of family caregivers. Yes. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. You had come to the conference that us care managers attend. We all go to a regional and a national conference, and you were at our last conference talking about your toolbox and your technology toolbox. So perfect lead in because I do want to talk about that. You were so, you were just terrific at the conference. And so I thought I'd have you on the show to talk about some of the technology out there, some of the recent technology out there that might help folks with dementia and their families. There are cool things that most people don't know about. So you really highlighted them in your, in your session with us. So here you are today. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important because we have had a toolbox for years now as aging life care coordinators. And a lot of the tools in the toolbox are very human centric as far as how they're delivered. That means like a care team member, a dog walker, a nurse that comes into the home, a you name it, a senior living community, a skilled nursing facility, a group home, maybe a bill payer, someone who can pay the bills for mom so she doesn't have to. And these are all wonderful things and we all need them. But sometimes we're finding as things change in this dynamic, like there's either not enough people to deliver those services Like it can be very hard to find a caregiver to come into the home the times needed in this situation where there's more people leaving the senior care industry than are coming in. And so it becomes more the scarcer tools. And then sometimes those tools can be very expensive if you use all of them. And so having more tools that are perhaps some technology based or where there's some scale that allows one person to serve more people, I think is very important for us to be aware of. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And it is expensive to pull in all these different people. So caregivers and bill payers and all sorts of things, it adds up. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of these things. I would say at the beginning, when folks are kind of at the beginning stages of dementia, families are often worried about Well, a few things, but one is maybe wandering out of the house, getting disoriented. Oftentimes, caregivers are still going to the store, going to do errands, running to the bank and leaving their spouse, their mom at home because it feels okay at the beginning. People always say to me, well, my wife hasn't wandered yet. And I say, well, they haven't wandered until they do. And they're not a wanderer until Mm -hmm. the day that they are. 
And so you never know when that's going to be. And so we're always talking about identification bracelets and some sort of tracking system, which most people think, I don't really need that. Mm-hmm. But you know, you just never know the day that your wife, your husband, your wife, your mom is going to go out the door looking for you. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. maybe talk about some of those systems, tracking devices. Yeah. So, and I think we can think about it from a number of perspectives. Number one, a loved one is living at home alone. And you're thinking through, how do I keep them safe at home without having to bring home care into the home to simply monitor them? Maybe they can still use the bathroom. They can still get their food out of the refrigerator and microwave it. But the real concern is that they might wander away and never come home. Or maybe they are living with family and family is maybe not getting enough sleep at night because they have wandered away and family's going, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Or maybe they live in, let's say, an independent living community where there are staff there 24-7. They're not receiving care, but they're living. They have food provided for them. They've got transportation provided for them. And wandering is the one of the few things that will get someone an eviction notice in an independent living. Independent living will feel very concerned about the fact that this person may hurt themselves. And so if family is able to manage that wandering, then that person can continue to live an independent living just fine and have a great life with all their friends. This is important in running memory care communities. This is one of the number one reasons why families choose to come to one of our plush, very nice state-of-the-art memory care communities. It's because the loved one is wandering. They're not getting sleep. They're literally sleeping by the door because they're afraid the loved one's going to leave. Now, I have heard the opposite side where families are trying to manage it, but they manage it through dead bolting the door inside and out with a key, which is dangerous. Because if there's a fire, there's an emergency, the loved one with dementia is trapped inside. So that's not an option. So it is a challenging situation. I'm excited to see some new technologies coming into play that may help with that. So a lot of the companies that are doing this are, are creating things that look like watches. One's called Fiora Care. Another one is called the Buddy, B-U-D-D-I. Another one is called Xantheon. I'm, I'm just going to give you an overview of what they actually do in a second. Another one's called the Smart Watcher. And then there is uh, GPS Shoes, there where you put these little inserts into the shoes, and the shoes are able to be tracked and send notices. And then the GeoBit. The GeoBit is not a watch. It's not an insert. Instead, it's this tiny little, it's about the size of an Oreo cookie. And you can put it in anything. Like you could put it in the liner of a jacket. You could put multiple ones in different places because you're like, hmm, they might take their cane. I'll, I'll tape, it, tape it around the cane or they might take their car. I'll put it in the car or whatever. They have a long battery life and you can just kind of put them wherever. Most of them have a set of, of features that are helpful. And you have to think about these features when you're deciding which one to buy. So first feature that I think is almost essential is what's called geofencing. That is where you draw on a map a, a area that's okay for the person to go. And so it may be extreme if every time they leave their front door, you get a notice because they might want to go and pick up the mail. They might want to go get a newspaper. Maybe they want to ne- next door get some eggs. Is that, a, is that a bad thing? Probably not. Maybe they even take a walk around the block and that's fine. So you can draw a fence around, okay, this is their normal area, but if they leave that area, I want a real-time text message coming to me saying, dad has left the area. Another feature some of them have is a feature where when they leave that area, there's a time limit on how long they can be gone because some elders are still fairly independent and can walk to the grocery store, but you know it takes an hour. If they're gone more than an hour, then you're worried. Well, then it sends an SMS text if they stay out that long. Another feature is real-time tracking where you could have an app and you can actually see where they are. Not only get a message, hey, they're gone, but you get you can see where they are. A fourth feature would be long battery life. And you want to be mindful when you're looking at the different options to think about the battery life mix for your lifestyle. Like if you get to see dad once a month and dad will not plug anything in and will not change any batteries, you need to pick the device with the longest lasting battery life. If dad can plug in his device by himself and he's part of the process, 
maybe a more fashionable one that has a shorter battery life is fine. If you're going to be there once a week, I'm going to take it and I'm going to have two sets. I'm going to switch it out. I'm going to plug it in in my house. I'm going to leave the other one. Like you got to think about battery life. That's probably one of the most important things to, to think about. But anyway, those are a couple options. There's more coming out all the time. And you're also thinking about what will they actually use? Like that's a big one. Like if it's a pendant that hangs around the neck, that's clearly some sort of, I need help kind of button. There's a lot of seniors who are never going to wear that. But if it's a fashionable watch and they always wear watches, that may work. If they don't wear a watch, don't give them a watch. Maybe it needs to be inserts and shoes. If they're going to leave the house, they'll be wearing shoes. So let's just put them in the the shoes. Or it may be that other, like the geo bit, where you can kind of hide it in different things because you're not exactly sure what they're going to take with them. That is the biggest downfall of these devices is it does require the device to go with the person. And so if you have a person who's going to walk outside naked or in a nightgown, it may not work for you. And then we have to look at other options. Right. No, really good point. And I like the ones that are watches because oftentimes people do wear a watch and Mm -hmm. they're pretty nice, actually. Mm -hmm. They look like regular watches. You wouldn't know anything, but, you know, you wouldn't know that they were anything but a regular old watch. Yeah. And the, the ones that go into the shoe, I mean, I feel like, you know, get smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although who, who's listening to us who remembers get smart? Huh? Yeah, that's true. Okay, <laughs> I love get smart. <laughs> oh, so funny. One thing that's kind of cool is a lot of those devices also have. Yeah. So let's talk them. about that. The fall detection monitors. What's out there for that? So Several of the same devices that will track where people are going also track falls. So some of those watches, sometimes you'll find one that does both. But this is obviously a big deal, right? Because one of the biggest concerns with dad staying home alone is what if dad falls, can't get to the phone, can't get help. And obviously for 50 years or so, we've had all kinds of devices trying to solve that problem. And so to some degree, it's like, oh, why didn't we hit the wheel? People already know about that. But the reality is a lot of seniors don't want to wear anything that would say to the world, I'm at risk of falling. And so one of the cool companies is called Trella Wear, T-R-E-L-A Wear. And these this would be f- typically for someone who would wear jewelry. And it's just a very nice piece of jewelry that hangs around your neck. It looks like a necklace with like a gemstone. Yeah, so, I saw that. They're very pretty. Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't even know. It was tracking your falls. It's detecting elevation change, sudden elevation changes, I guess. I'm not sure of their proprietary algorithm and how they detect it, but it's connected with something called fall call detect, I believe, that will kind of send notification to the family on a phone. So even though the elder's wearing this nice pendant that doesn't look techie at all, the family has an app where they're able to see mom just fell, you know, and do you want to call mess or are you going to go help her? And again, that's important for independent living. Someone is living in a three-story independent living with all kinds of activities, transportation, amenity, like the various park. We call them the parks at uh, Kelsch Communities, the park at Modesto, et cetera. These are really great places to live. But if you're falling all the time, like when you move in, you sign a contract saying, I can take care of myself. (laughs) And so if you're falling all the time, you're not going to be able to live there. But if you have a system set up that, your family can come or a caregiving team that you've, you've, you know, signed up with can come or EMS can come. Then you could live there more often because you're, you're safe. You've got the tool. And same with living at home. Family may be like, Oh my gosh, dad can do so much. It's sad to think of having him leave his home right now. Well, if he has fall detection, maybe that will help. I know that the Apple watch has been touted as having some fall detection software, but you typically have to have like a family member who really understands the iOS ecosystem, the Apple ecosystem, and set it up right for you to begin with. I have a client. She got an Apple Watch just to be able to have the fall detection feature, mm-hmm. but there must be something we have to turn on because she's mm-hmm. fallen a couple of times and it hasn't, you know, alerted right. anyone or anything. So there has to be some, we have to look into it. Tech we have to do in some settings feature. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So good point. You're right. It does have fall detection, which is great. I think beyond fall detection, we also want to be thinking about fall prevention and fall mitigation because you're dealing with 
okay, it's one thing to detect I had a fall so I can come get some help. But in some ways, that may already be too late. The fall detection helps us avoid being on the floor for a very long time and becoming dehydrated and maybe becoming unconscious. Like that helps us with that piece of it. But it didn't stop us from breaking the hip, hmm. right? Are there things to prevent falls? Think about a couple of ways, right? We're going to take the really early prevention of falls, proactive, and then the, I'm still pretty weak, probably going to fall, but how can I mitigate? So we'll start there. So the Tango belt is a special belt that you wear with your clothes, but it's actually an airbag for falling. And so the Tango belt, what happens when it senses you're falling, this airbag blows all around your body. So when you fall, it's cushioning the fall upon your hips or your legs so that it gives you a chance of maybe not having to spend the rest of your life in a wheelchair. It gives you a chance of not having to deal with that. There are somewhere between $1,500 and $2,000 a belt, but that's way less than the cost of any sort of hip surgery. <laughs> Recuperation time with skilled nursing, that's $900 a day, right? I mean, it's, right. It's, it's a drop in the bucket compared to the costs of those things. Now, before that, what if we can like really reduce risk of falling significantly by strengthening the body. A lot of them demand a bit of self-discipline to like watch the video, do the exercise, make sure this happens, press against the wall, lift your leg, right? And it can be challenging. One thing I have come across that I think really has potential is it's called S. Three balance, S3 balance. And we're actually piloting it right now through Kelsey Innovation Lab and three of our assisted living communities to see how it works. But the founder spent over 18 years developing it. He's a doctor of physical therapy. He spent his career going into retirement communities and to older people's homes and working with them to prevent falls as well as to recover from falls. And he just realized how so much of what physical therapists do is not making a significant difference simply because it's not done every day. It's done once a week or twice a week, and it's just not enough to truly support. So he developed something that someone could do on their own without needing a physical therapist and only take 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes a day, that's it. That's all you need to make sure that you are strong enough to avoid falling. And it, it looks kind of like a walker. It's rated for a 1,000 pounds. So you can really push on it. It's not going to fall over. It's, it's designed to be super stable because what you do is you basically stand in one place and then you do a series of very small exercises that progressively get more difficult. But basically you're like, your hand is an inch away from the bars and maybe you just hold them there. And if you're wobbling, you just stay there for 15, 20, 30 seconds and you do it again. And then as you get more comfortable, you might close an eye or both eyes, or lift one leg. All you're doing is trying to stay in the zone where your body wants to fall over. Like stay right there where you're starting to shake. And if you stay there over time, all the different senses that are responsible for you not falling get strengthened. And it only takes 10 minutes, Monday through Friday. And he has found 400% decreases in senior living communities that use this regularly with their team. He's seen people who are on walkers, not have to use walkers. People who are in wheelchairs, not have to use wheelchairs. I mean, it's pretty profound what 10 minutes a day of staying in the, he calls it the wobble zone, can do. And these devices are not, I mean, they're not that expensive. I think for just to have it in someone's home, $400 for the device. And then you can have a checklist of what to do or watch a little video of him doing it. Super simple. It's not very expensive. You put it in the corner of your house. You do it while you're watching TV. I mean, 10 minutes a day of barely, basically just standing there, <laughs> standing there and just shifting your weight a little bit and demonstrates the power to reduce falls. And so I would recommend that anybody actually cares about their health and doesn't want to have to wear belts, do all this stuff, like just do 10 minutes a day of the S3, you're probably going to be good. Another piece that it does is, is one of the, he talks about one of the biggest reasons people fall is they actually keep their head down as they walk or they shuffle. And so part of what he does by designing S3 is it actually causes you to keep your head up looking forward as you're balancing. And so that's a key element of not falling is learning how to look in front of you when you walk. But anyway, 
Right. Not down. Mitigation. Mm-hmm. Mitigation and prevention, I think, are important pieces. And is this device something like, is it something that you're standing in? Like, um, it's not all the way around you. It's just kind of like a walker. You walk into it, right? I see. So you can so, wheel your wheelchair up to it, push yourself up, stand, and then sit back down your wheelchair or just walk into it. And it's, and it's, it's movable. So you can move it in different rooms in the house, it's got wheels on it, but it's, it's designed to stay. Once you want it to stay, it stays. And it holds you, it steadies you because you're working on your balance. Yes, we've, in our pilots, I mean, it's amazing. Like people who take two people to transfer, get up and transfer themselves using this device. Yes. I just saw a video from one of our communities last week where it took two people like really helping this person up. And then, okay, now let's do it with the S3. And the lady stands up by herself, which is of course, so I'm part of a, bringing a group from Europe and Asia to America called Humanitude. This is a very advanced caregiver protocol that we don't have in America, but they have in Asia and in Europe. And it's exceptionally, it works exceptionally well. One of the tenets is because we are transferring people in America all the time, we're actually causing injury and causing disability. So if you can avoid transferring people, or if you have to transfer someone, you have to let them bear as much weight as possible during the transfer because we don't do that in America, typically, we're actually causing tears in the shoulders, which cause people to not be able to feed themselves. And then we are causing more disability and a need to be in a wheelchair because of that. So S3 is one tool to avoid that by helping people learn how to, again, stand on their own without having to have a caregiver pull them So anyway, sorry, I'm getting a little on my soapbox there. I apologize. No, that's okay. That's so interesting. You don't think about the fact that we're we're kind of causing people to be deconditioned. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Not to mention, I'm sure caregivers get mm. you know, injured yes. Yes. In, in the transfer. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Wow. Well, that's interesting. Humanitude. Okay. We'll have to keep on the lookout for that. <laughs> wow. Well, the problem is they only have one English speaking expert in the world. Everybody else speaks Mandarin or oh. <laughs> uh, French or Spanish. So we're trying to find one person in America who speaks Spanish, Mandarin, or French who will go to Europe, get the training and come back and be America's first trainer. So that's what we're working on, trying to find someone in that situation. Okay. Well, brush up on your Mandarin. Who's also a nurse or physical therapist. Yeah, so. there you go. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. So on to, I guess, one of the other issues. And I just heard this the other day from one of my clients. The daughter tells me that her mom, who has who has dementia, cannot remember to take her pills. Or she sometimes remembers the daughter comes over. She doesn't know. If, you know, she looks to see. Basically, what the daughter started to do now is go over to her mom's house twice a day to make sure her mother is taking her pills. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's a lot. Um, Yeah. So she's thinking, of course, of hiring a caregiver, Mm -hmm. which you can't hire a caregiver just an hour in the morning, Mm -hmm. an hour in the afternoon, or Mm -hmm. an hour in the evening. So there are lots of devices for medication dispensing. So maybe talk about that a little bit. Yes. Well, so, okay, first step I would take, I would check with compounding pharmacists to make sure that the form that all the medications are in is indeed the best form. Because if mom can wear a patch, she doesn't need to take a pill. Maybe we can do that. If it's, if I can do this once a week or twice a week versus every day, maybe I can do that. So first I would check to see if this regime is a necessary, B, is there any pills we can get rid of? And then three, is there another form it can be in, such as a lotion or cream or a patch that may work just as well and not require such a regime? So I'd think about those things. And then for what is has to be a pill and on a regime, then I would look at a device that is A, going to remember and notify the person it's time to take their pills and then has some sort of tracking to see they actually did it, to see that, that they indeed did it. So you have a number of devices. One is called the Hero, and it's about $29.99 a month with like a $50 one-time registration. And that's what it costs because it's connected to Wi-Fi and it's letting you know, mom took her pills. This is what happened. She was an hour late. She didn't take her afternoon pills, never came around. And they have a couple different, that one's kind of like a countertop device. It looks almost like the old fashioned, like put your Dixie cup under, get some water. Kind of looks like that kind of a device. And then there's another device that for some reason I'm, I'm blanking on the name. It is a device that is... It pushes out little pill packs because that's the difference. Some of these, it will pour 
the medicines into a cup. Others will put a pill pack out. Did you have something? Yes. There's the MedMinder. Is that the one you're talking about? MedMinder. That was the next one. The MedMinder looks kind of like a little little mini computer. Mm -hmm. And the keys are actually medication. Mm. Like each key, each key on the computer is actually a little box where the lid flips up and there's medication in it. So that's the med minder. And then Priya, Priya is actually looking at their face to make sure that only the person who's supposed to get the pills gets the pills, which, which comes even more important if you're using some sort of you know painkiller or something and you've got weird things going on in the home making sure that it's only grandma getting this pill out. It's not the son-in-law, you know, who comes in looking for mom's pills. It records when doses are taken or missed and it alerts the care circle when doses are missed. And this is Priya by Black and Decker. Also has two-way video calling, kind of like the MedMinder does, where you can actually call in. You're like, hey, my mom's taking pills right now. She's standing in front of the Priya. Oh, great. I'm going to talk to mom real quick. Hey, mom, I just want to remind you, I'm going to go to the doctor's today and I'll, I'll, I won't be there after all, right? You can also set reminders to like, hey, take a walk, take a drink of water. So those are examples of devices that are smarter than your typical medication mediset because those are reliant on the person actually doing it. These have some sort of check and balance of did they do it and reminding them to do it, whereas a typical mediset is just a physical box that you're setting up and they have to remember to open the lid and take it and not open the next lid and take tomorrow's because they forgot they already took today's, right? This is only going to give them what's available for this hour. And that's it. They can't take anything else out because it's locked down. That's great. Okay. So we've talked a little bit about wandering, watches, monitoring devices, fall detection devices, medication management. So talk a little bit about some of the in-home handy things that a caregiver might have, like useful tools. I know you mentioned a bunch of them at the conference. Well, one of them I, I'm excited to try, and I just got shipped by the CEO. He shipped me some samples. It's called the Peel-Away Sheets. These are exceptionally soft. I felt them. I felt them when they shipped to me, very soft. I mean, softer than like flannel, like really soft sheets. But there's a stack of five sheets that all are a fitted sheet together as one. But then when you wet the bed, have an accident, it's been two weeks, whatever, it smells, you just rip off the top layer and throw it away. And on one hand, I, as a you know, very ecologically minded person, I'm like, oh my gosh, we don't need more things in the landfill. They are designed to be compostable. Of course, most things that are designed to be compostable, compostable America still compost it because most of our cities don't have a composting situation. But as soon as a city does, these peel aways will compost, which is nice to know. But they're waterproof so that if you wet the top layer, the next layer does not get wet. So the benefit in a variety of situations, okay, let's go back to independent living. Someone's living in an independent living apartment. They may get housekeeping twice a month or once a month, depending on the company. And they're going to wet their bed more often than that. And if you're, you've got some upper arm issues or something or shoulder issues or breathing challenges, making a bed is not easy. But you've got a blanket on top and you can just kind of peel over and you can peel out the top sheet, throw it away and be done. That may help an elder stay in their home longer than if they have to rely on a housekeeping service to come in every time they have an accident, every time they need some help. It also helps with bed sores because obviously if someone's in bed a lot, they're at risk of bed sores. The softness of these sheets combined with being able to quickly change them if they get soiled are interventions that can prevent bed sores. That can be help helpful in a variety of situations. Another tool is the jelly drop, which I'm sure most of your listeners have seen on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, these cute little, almost candy looking things that are really all water. And it's only been available in the UK, not yeah. coming to America. It's yeah, finally they coming look to America. Like, they look colorful. Yes. Yes. It's finally coming to America. I'm so excited. Just got the notice a few weeks, a few weeks ago that they're about to launch in the United States. So look for the jelly drops in the USA Beautiful little candies, quote unquote, but it's actually water. So someone won't drink water because they drink coffee their entire life, never drank water, but now they got UTIs and all these problems. Feed them the jelly drops, right? Put that out next to them as they're watching TV and they're going to be hydrated. 
So is that how much water is in there? Is it just like a spoonful of water? So interesting. I they think do look one electrical. tray gives you a typical cup of water. I oh, think. wow. Like one tray of these, which looks like, I'm looking at the pictures, one, two, three, four times, one, two, three, four, about 16 little drops. Mm-hmm. But it'd probably be a tablespoon of water per drop is what I'm guessing. Tablespoon, tablespoon and a half per drop. That's, so you could sit and munch on a, a box full of jelly drops exactly. and, a, exactly. and have a cup of water. Exactly. I'm not sure if they're using like agar or what kind of jellying agent they're using that creates more of a jelly feel rather than, I don't think you pop it and there's like water coming out of your mouth. I think it's actually a solid item that's more like a jello-ish kind of thing. Another thing has to do with monitoring mom and dad's health when A, it's hard to go to the doctor frequently. They don't want to go to the doctor frequently. We know that going to the doctor and the hospital puts us at risk of various things. How can we monitor for things like UTI, diarrhea, constipation, irritable bowel syndrome, dehydration, different blood, blood metrics? How can we monitor that without dad having to poke himself, without dad having to put some sort of cuff on himself? Or So there's some interesting tools coming out now that are built into the toilet seat. One is actually under the toilet seat. So you sit on the toilet seat, you never know the sensors are, are underneath you. It has an electrocardiogram. It's got all kinds of cells that track mechanical activity of the heart. It's got things that will look for blood oxygenation, right? A variety of things in the toilet seat itself. Another one hangs on the side of the toilet. It's called OutSense. The other one is called Kasana. Kasana and OutSense. And the in combination, like one is measuring what's going into the toilet. So it's actually taking samples of like the urine and, and, and other things. <laughs> and then the other one is measuring more physical things on your body. And so between the two of them, you're able to look for a lot of different metrics that could be alerted to the family. Family can get an alert saying, hey, probably should take your mom to the doctor. We think she's got a, a UTI. Like she's dehydrated. You probably need to get in there with some jelly drops, right? Like time for the jelly drops because she's dehydrated. And so, I think it, I was reading a little bit about it. It sounds like it monitors like how long you've been sitting on the toilet. Oh, I didn't see that part. Okay. Is it right? Is that right? Am I, you're probably mis- right. I, didn't, I don't know. I could be mis- misspeaking about other. No. Yeah. I mean, looks pretty cool. All these different little, I don't know, sensors underneath right. the toilet to see like probably how frequently you're going to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm a really little bit of a contrarian on the sensor piece, right? Because everybody and their brother seems to be building sensors these days. Like everybody thinks that the world needs more sensors. Like there's 100,000 companies all building sensors. 10 of them are getting funding. If you go online and check out like new age tech companies, everybody wants to build sensors. And I, I'm a contrarian in the sense that I feel like if you're not going to do anything about the data you're receiving, it's really not very helpful. If you really only want to measure things that you're actually going to act on. Otherwise, it becomes noise and ends up drowning out the really important information that you need in your life. So you only want to pick sensors if you're actually going to do something about the data that it gives you. Otherwise, turn off all the notifications. Maybe look at them once a year. If you're like, oh, I want to see what patterns going on in my dad's life. Other, turn them off. Only turn on the, the, the notifications and get the data that you're actually going to do something about. Otherwise, you'll end up missing really important signals like dad's lonely because you're tracking like dad's breathing status at night when he sleeps. Like, are you going to do anything about that? Then don't track it. Track the fact that he's lonely and let's focus on the getting him friends, right? Not that he's breathing weird at night sometimes and we're not doing anything. A little contrarian there, but I'm also contrarian in the sense a lot of sensors require something of the elder and might get used for a little while and then are not going to get used. So it has to be a sensor situation just works into their life and they don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. That's why I like these toilet options because everybody has to use the toilet. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> Another one is a sock called the siren sock that is monitoring diabetics for the early stages of foot ulcers, which can be measured by temperature patterns on feet and legs. And so these socks tell the family, you need to get this checked out because it looks like there's an ulcer forming. And the new socks get delivered automatically by mail. So you always have a a fresh supply of socks that work well. And you're able to see what's going on with the foot on a smartphone if necessary. So that could help a family who's trying to help manage diabetes remotely, 
and no dad doesn't take good care of himself, all that kind of stuff to avoid a really bad situation. For eating, we work with a lot of people who struggle with getting food to the mouth because of Parkinson's or some other sort of physical uh, limitation. And there's some interesting companies that are really creating new ways of eating. One of them is a special spoon. It's kind of like a gyroscope spoon. So no matter how you, it's called Liftware, liftware.com. And basically it makes you like, if you're eating cereal and you're shaking, that cereal is going to go all over the place. So instead it pays attention to what horizontal plane you want that spoon to stay on. And then no matter how your hand moves, the spoon part, like the metal part of the spoon that you eat off of stays horizontal. Your hand can be going up and down around and underneath, but that part stays horizontal. So something like that could help someone who's really struggling with eating, right? Many of your listeners, one of the reasons they've hired a caregiver is because dad can't feed himself. It's not that dad can't feed himself, it's that the food gets all over the place while he feeds himself. We have to get really specific in what's going on. Because if a piece of technology or tool can help dad feed himself, then we should not. Like almost ethically, we should not be having a caregiver feed him because that takes away some of his sense of self and dignity, his sense of I can do for myself, and therefore I'm still an adult. Right? You, you lose that when someone starts putting food in your mouth. Even if we have to have a caregiver help someone, we really should be using Tipa Snow's hand under hand approach where the caregiver comes alongside, puts their hand under the person's hand and helps the person feed themselves. If we have to use a caregiver, we should be doing that approach. So I think it's very important to keep the dignity of a person by helping them feed themselves as long as possible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I think that these utensils are brilliant. I mean, the fact that they can stay upright no matter how much shaking, that's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So you know how much they cost? I do not know, actually. I will I will look up I and see. Some, some, sometimes I'm very at the very early end of finding out about products and they're like, we're almost ready to ship. So this might have been one of them if I remember correctly. Like, we're about ready to go public. That's okay. Don't worry about it. It's but true. at least we know well, they It has there. a store. It has a store. And it looks like, okay, 195 bucks. You get a, you get the spoon and all the, all the things to plug it in because it is, is motorized. And then if you want the fork attachment, it's 34.95 extra. And they also have a soup spoon versus an everyday spoon. That's 34.95 extra. So very affordable. I mean, much more affordable than that's just like, that's two visits from a caregiver. You've paid, you've paid for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. which I think is one of the barriers with technology is it can feel expensive. Like the airbags to prevent you from breaking a hip feels expensive. $2,000? Am I really going to spend that? Uh, I mean, you're spending way more than that on other things, but there's just a different, like we understand the cost of a human mm-hmm. or of a, like a skilled nursing facility that charges us a copay or whatever. Like we get that. But when you add it up and you start getting the bills a year later, Right. Cause they don't, you always, you don't pay up front with healthcare. You always pay in the rear, which is why technology is different. You got to pay up front for this. Whereas healthcare and home care, like you pay later. And so there's a different psychological approach to the payment and you, you feel, okay, it's going to cost me $10,000, but I pay it next year. I'm going to pay it over time. This costs $200, but I got to pay it on my credit card. It's interesting how we change psychologically. These are things that are, you're being proactive. Mm-hmm. You're, you're trying to prevent mm-hmm. a fall. You're trying to prevent True. wandering away to the next town. True. I mean, these are, so it's a really good point. And right, you're paying for it up front in case of, yeah, it's a good thing to start thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the other, I think, psychological thing that goes on inside of us before we pay for something like this is what if it doesn't work? Do I want to spend this money on something that doesn't work? Well, I mean, the real, the, the reality is that skilled nursing facility might not work either. Like that's the reality of it. No, the hospital visit may not work. Oh, we think, okay, well, if I pay for these technologies and they don't work, then I'm out all this money. Well, the reality is if you pay for a hospital visit, you might get MRSA while you're there and you're going to have a lot worse situation 
than not. And it may not, the hip surgery may not work. And so I think that's where our psychology comes in is we're afraid of spending money on something that might not work because we think that there are things that we could use that will work. But the reality is families just have a, a false impression of how well healthcare works. And they don't realize how many elders have poor outcomes by going to the hospital. How many elders get sick because they were in the hospital? Many families don't realize how unfriendly the hospital environment is for anybody over 65. How the way they're set up, they're set up for acute situations like a heart attack. They're not set up for most of the issues that an elder will face. And families don't necessarily realize that. So it gets harder to, to have some of these conversations. So we have to educate families on the safest place for your loved one is in their independent living or at their apartment or in their home. That's the safest place for them. And so we need to keep them there and deliver as much health care in the home as possible. Good point. So talking about keeping people at home as long as possible, I would say, gosh, I was at a client's house just the other day. We, I brought lunch over and she probably got at least four phone calls that were scams. I, mm. I, I, I'm sure they were. I mean, one of those, mm-hmm. all of them, she didn't recognize any of the numbers. Mm. She kept thinking, oh, it's my daughter. It wasn't. And asking her about whatever her credit cards or something or other, Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. like, I don't know what. Yeah. So, and I kept doing the motion like, okay, hang up, hang up now, hang up now. Which she did, thankfully, because she's kind of at the beginning stages. So mm-hmm. she's still living at home. She is alone and she's got her landline, of course. So mm-hmm. or when her daughter calls. So maybe talk about some of the fraud protection things out there that maybe caregivers could know about family members could know about. Yeah. So there's two different areas of fraud protection. One is the phone call and that vector for scams to happen to an elder through a phone call. The other area is financial fraud. So let's talk about the phone call area first. Now, I haven't seen the best as far as if they're still using email and they're online. That's a harder thing to manage because they're techie enough to be using email and and stuff. And so, I mean, I know there's products out there that even like we can use that are firewalls and all this stuff, but I haven't seen something that's super elder friendly, so to speak, for that. I think if if an elder is still using a email and browsing, like if you're able to switch them to some sort of device like tablets that are specific for elders that are, I mean, I have one right here, the grand pad, the grand pad, for instance, I think is is built pretty well to avoid elders going to all kinds of websites that wouldn't be good for them, but it still gives them the freedom to check in on family, send pictures, go on, do some browsing on the internet, but there's just some more limited functionality. So a senior is not going to use that. So we're not going to talk too much about that because that's a much more complicated area because if they have the ability to use a laptop, there's a lot they can do. Over phone, if the person has a landline, then you're going to want to look at telecom. The telecom is a special phone with a subscription. Subscription starts at $34.49 a month if the person doesn't have dementia, and then goes to $50 a month if they do have dementia. And this plugs into like the wall, the cable, you know, cable, if you have like digital phone, whatever, it, it will work for these various situations. So what telecom does is it is protecting you from robocalls, telemarketers, and scams. It will provide a notification to the family if they dial 911. And it uses, again, the existing landline style telephone. As The more I'm remembering this, I think it might have to connect to the internet. So you may have to have like a cable service or internet service in the home for this to work, but it feels to the elder just like a landline. The dementia option also gives you the ability to block them from calling the same person over and over again, or to call you late at night. If you're like, I don't want mom to call me at midnight and say, hey, it's time to go. It's you know 12 o'clock. You're like, it's 12 o'clock at night. It will, it will avoid that. And then it will also stop 911 calls, especially if they're in a situation where they don't need to call 911 because there's someone in the home or there's someone nearby and 911 is not important for them. You can actually block the 911 calls because we do know many people with dementia will call 911 for all kinds of things. Then it becomes a problem. 
And then there's even deeper robocalled scan protection there. Now, if they have a smartphone, then you want to use Elefend, E-L-E-F-E-N-D. So this is a service that kind of takes over. If the call coming in is in your contacts, someone lets the call go through. If not, it routes the call through Elephant's call center and they start listening to the call. They block the call if it's a known scammer, but otherwise it starts listening to the call. And if the artificial intelligence recognizes certain patterns that look like a scam call, it is then set up to both tell the person in their headset, this is a scam. And it also is can be set up to notify a family member to then join that call. So all of a sudden, the family member can just jump right in on that call and start navigating. And maybe it's not a scam. Maybe it's actually a banker being like, hey, we need to talk through your banking situation. Great. And then now a family member is part of that conversation automatically. So Elephant can help smartphone. Telecom can help more landline style of, of a phone situation. It's, I don't think it's as powerful as Elephant in the sense there's no artificial intelligence listening and routing the calls in and stuff like that. But it just depends on their situation. Now for finances, I know you use a service that can help with a lot of, of issues, the True Link by Visa. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can share with your listeners kind of what that is. True Link Financial. Yeah, it's a credit card. Basically, you can go into the site and tick off what you can and cannot use the card for. So you can tick off like, I don't want there to be cruise ship travel purchases. I don't want there to be airline ticket purchases. I don't want there to be hotel reservation purchases. You can limit so if a caregiver you think is, which we did have, actually, we heard about this on our caseload, a caregiver who booked flights for her whole family on the on the client's credit card, someone mm. we really had not been involved with for a long time, but we heard mm. after the fact. So this stuff does happen. So you can take off on there what is okay to use the credit card for and what isn't. And then you put $500 on the card so the caregiver can go to the grocery store the caregiver and take your mom to the grocery store, use the credit card for groceries, beauty shop, whatever it is mm -hmm. that you say okay to. And it's a finite amount of money. And you get a, a notification when I think you get a notification when it's running low. So you can, you know, just transfer X amount of money in there. So it's a great card. It's specifically designed for caregivers mm -hmm. for this use. Yes. Um, and it works. I think it works really well. So that's true link financial. Yes. I think that is an excellent solution, especially if you're willing to make a change in what credit card you're using, quote unquote, and have a little bit of a different financial process because that's a kind of preload card. Exactly. Versus you're not a, giving like, <clears throat> access to major bank exactly. accounts. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's a, a good little system there. I think it's a great system. Yeah. I don't think yeah. all families will necessarily be ready or willing to make that change to manage the finances differently. I think it's, it's, well worth it. I think families should absolutely look at doing a TrueLink card for many, many older people to help them protect themselves. If they're not willing to make that change, there are, in other words, they want to keep using their same bank. They want to keep using their same credit card. They don't want to have a prepaid situation. They want to be able to access whatever they want, whenever they want. Eversafe and Careful are two apps that can help either a care coordinator like yourself or a family member keep an eye on dad's finances without necessarily just monitoring themselves all of mom and dad's bank accounts. It's looking and it has analytics built in both ever safe and careful to say, okay, this looks like a pattern of fraud. This looks like a pattern of late payment. They're not paying their rent. They're not paying their phone bill on time. They're good. They're getting late fees all the time because they're not doing this well. So it it's looking for unusual cash payments, large amounts of spending, transfers, transactions involving any new people or places. It's looking for those things and letting you know. Again, it's looking for those late bills and changes in spending patterns. So you're like, wow, they were going to this restaurant. Now they're going to this one. And it's not in the same part of town. And then anybody in the family who wants to be part of this can all share the app together and get notifications together and then coordinate like, oh, dad's dad's rent is late. And so maybe sister's like, hey, Fred, I'm out of town. Can you take care of that brother? And brother's like, oh, sure, I'll go help dad out. And so it kind of helps the family stay connected and the circle of care all know what's going on. 
And then it's got the option to easily be able to talk amongst each other to split payments for dad. Like, hey, I'm going to pay for housekeeping next week for dad because he really needs it. No, you know what? I'll do it next week as well or whatever. So anyway, careful and ever safe. Those are two apps that can really help. That's great. You clearly are on the cutting edge of all of this. If there was a family member who wanted to find out like what's what's the next technology, what's coming out, what's on the horizon, what's in the pipeline, or what's just come out, but like where would they go for that information? Well, where they really should go is to their local aging life care coordinator. I'm serious. I mean, you might laugh at all. You're just saying that because that's what I am. I'm serious. Like aging life care coordinators are charged with being aware of all the tools in the toolbox and families can call someone like yourself and say, okay, here's our situation. What would work for us? Like that's the ideal situation, right? Is a family call someone like yourself because the reality is, I mean, unless you're techie yourself and you just love research, like a lot of the stuff is A, hard to find, B, their features and benefits are so different from one another. You have to really like sort through, okay, this versus this versus this. It would be very overwhelming for a family to look at all the ins and outs and well, this is, this is safe, but this one, you're at risk because of this, right? I mean, there's just a lot of ins and outs, which is why a lot of these tools you don't see everywhere yet. Because it takes a little bit of research and understanding. So an aging life care coordinator can look at the big picture and be like, okay, this is why this tool works for your mom in your situation. And if you pair it with three hours a week of some caregiving services, I think it'll work. Whereas a family member trying to do this from scratch is not necessarily going to know to ask some of those hard questions. And they'll put a technology in and it doesn't work and the mom gets hurt. So that that's my first suggestion is call aging life coordinator and ask the question, are you familiar with the newest and latest age tech tools so that I don't just have to buy caregiving services? So I don't have to move my dad out of assisted living or independent living to memory care. So I can keep him there as long as possible. Do you have solutions? And if they're like, oh, I'm not real up on that, well, ask for a referral to someone who is. Because Asian life care coordinators, they go to conferences, they read materials, like part of their job is to research. That's why you pay them is so that they do all the research and then come to you with a plan. So that would be my first suggestion because we have kind of a professional circle where we can call each other, we can talk to each other, we can work through things together for our various clients and then move forward. So that would be my first suggestion. I would say if you're really into research, and you want to look at options, my favorite go-to is a expert who calls herself the Jaron Technologist. And she is Karen Etkin. She's in Israel and she tracks age tech tools across the world. And she puts together a map every year of all the tools and breaks them down by category. Like these help you with mobility and these help you with this. It's called the Technologist.com. And she'll have her, her list there. And then she tends to only focus on technology tools, so things that are easily scalable, don't necessarily have a physical component. So the things that are more physical and may not have a big technology underpinning may still be just as helpful, like a new type of stove that is really safe for someone to mention to you. She might not cover those kind of things. And those are harder to track down because there's not like a consortium of amazing tools for seniors, right? It's, not, it's harder to find that kind of stuff. So that's why being connected with professionals is really helpful because you can ask them and they may know. Yeah, the darentechnologist.com, essential, essential. And would you recommend that people go to like Aging 2.0? Is that or like this Age Tech News? Are those accessible to everyone? Or Typically, they're more focused on a professional mm-hmm. who's in the field and looking for all the options. But a family who's like really into this could absolutely Aging 2.0 and uh, Age Tech News, those are all great places to kind of hear the newest companies and what's going on. Uh, but they're definitely aimed at the professional who has a lot of time to look at this. Most busy caregivers would not have, find that helpful. They'd be wading through industry white papers right, versus like, here's three things you can use. Pick which one you want to use and go. That's what most caregivers need. Right. This is super helpful. Thank you, first of all, for taking us through all these different devices and new technologies. So helpful to hear about these things. And please come back and share with us anything cutting edge that you think would help caregivers. That would be great. And I just I really want to give you time to talk about your community. 
Kelsch Communities because it sounds so interesting and innovative. You're on the cutting edge yourself of new living environments. So tell us about that. Well, I, I will tell you, I was ready to, I, I had abandoned as a gerontologist working in memory care because I had worked in memory care and I felt like it was pretty inhumane because a lot of memory care centers in the United States still to this day are hallways where we lock up 30 people in a hallway and we call it memory care. And it's okay in America to do that still in 2021 when we're doing this podcast, that's still considered humane. And so I, didn't, I don't want to be part of that anymore. So I went into home care. So I thought, okay, that's a more humane approach as if we can provide caregivers in the home and all those good things. But then I was invited to visit a Kelsch community. And, and I'm not saying they're the only ones that do a humane memory care in, in any way, shape or form. There are some other great companies that have developed some really cool models. But at least where I was living and the cities I were living, there were not very many options. There are still mostly little tiny halls that kind of kept people locked up in a little hallway. I walked into this center in my city. It was called the Hampton and Ashley Inn. And I was blown away. I was like, okay, this is different. Like there was a ton of nature space that the elders could access without needing a caregiver to unlock the door and get them outside. There were tons of places to walk, lots of beautiful common areas, living rooms, dining rooms, activity rooms, club rooms, ice cream parlor, things you would typically see in an assisted living or independent living where the people in, with memory loss don't get to access any of those things unless a staff member takes them there, which doesn't happen. This was an entire community designed for people with living with dementia. And so as I have ended up joining Kelsch Communities, they have continued to innovate. Like some of their newest models, they build an entire main street on the first floor with a post office, an ice cream parlor, a, a classic car in a classic garage, little, a mini concert hall, a general store. It looks like a 1950s general store, right? On the floors, because uh, these are our, this is our urban garden style where there's three floors. On the second and third floor, people actually live. If you count up all the space that's not apartments for people to live in. There's like 17 areas for people to spend their day that are not apartments. Where it's like, because in the old style, it's like you live in your apartment, you walk in your hallway and you have a dining room, maybe a little club room. Here there's 17 different spaces people can spread out and live. Balconies that are protected and you can get fresh air, courtyards that you get fresh air and gardens, right? Like that was really exciting to me to be part of something that was really looking for a better way to still keep people safe so they can't fall out of a window, they can't walk out of the door in a busy street, but they have within their four walls so many opportunities and a commitment to get out. Like one of our standards is twice a week, we do some sort of outing, get people out of the building at least twice a week. I get a little passionate about that just because I came from kind of, uh, I'm leaving this, I'm never gonna touch this again, to like, whoa, there's some really amazing stuff that's been developed here by this family, which has been doing this for 60 years. So I really appreciate their commitment over 60 years to innovate. That is amazing, wow. That reminds me of, isn't there a place in Europe, like a community for it's, people with dementia, mm -hmm. right? And the Hojwik. Yes, the yes. Mm -hmm. That sounds like that. Maybe they modeled it after. <laughs> like, <laughs> that sounds awesome. Well, I would love to come visit one of your communities. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Benjamin, thank you for being here today. I so appreciate you and all of your wisdom. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Well, I appreciate you and what you're doing in Los Angeles because it's a really important work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on another episode of Dementia Discussions. If you're a caregiver or know someone who's a caregiver that would like to be a guest on the show, please call me at 310-362-8232 or go to DementiaDiscussions.net forward slash contact and let me know. It takes courage because not everyone's willing to do that. I would love to have you. Remember that you can follow Dementia Discussions on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, it would mean a lot if you would leave a review. For any other information about this podcast, please visit me at DementiaDiscussions.net. And please share this podcast with someone you know if you think it may help. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you here again next time on Dementia Discussions.